G'day everybody and welcome to this marketing thing. Today I've got a bit of a different episode. It's my first interview. So look, let me know what you think. I definitely had a ton of fun doing it and hope you guys enjoy. Hi, my name's Kyle Macker and I've been a pilot in the aviation industry for half my life. So you may be asking, why am I doing this marketing thing, right? Well, I'm so passionate about aviation. Flying a big jet, it's just awesome. There's nothing like it. However, I realised that being a pilot is nothing what it used to be, especially during COVID. If I wanted to live the life of my dreams on my terms, I was going to have to teach myself a new skill. So three years ago, I started my marketing journey. I dove deep into the marketing world. I dug into the books, psychology, persuasion, anything that would help with a person saying yes to a product or service. I love it. However, I have a big problem. It's all theoretical knowledge and I have no hands-on experience and I still have so many questions. The biggest thing that I know is if we want our businesses to stand out in a noisy marketplace, we have to become better marketers. The best marketer will always win. So follow me on my journey and hopefully along the way it can help you spark up a few ideas that I've learnt so you can implement in your business. So make sure you subscribe to my channel so you don't miss the latest episodes. And also if there's anything you want to know about, get in touch with me at thismarketingthing.com. So let's get into it. G'day everybody and welcome to this marketing thing. Today I've got a very special guest. He's a childhood friend. He's the owner of two businesses, KMAC Electrical and EMF Solutions, based in Brisbane, Australia. Kieran McInerney, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, mate. So how uh, how you been? All right. Been great. 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 It's been a uh, it's been a, a roller coaster of a year, but um, things are looking up. Oh, that's excellent. That's really good. So, mate, tell us a bit about your business and uh, how you came to own two businesses. Yeah, well, first of all, I did my apprenticeship as a as an electrician and uh, got to uh, 20 and, and realized that I didn't want to work for anyone, so I started an electrical business then. Got to, so been doing that for, since I was 20, so I can't, 12 years. Then saw a gap in the market for EMS, so electromagnetic fields and testing radio frequencies, so you know, phone towers and all that sort of stuff. And that's um, that, that happened this year with all the 5G hype that you see is going around. Yeah. <laughs> so we started uh, an EMF Solutions Group, and that's a specialized company that just does testing and audits for pe- you know, domestic pe- people's homes, um, developers. So before a developer does, uh, you know, spends a couple hundred million on a on a development, they go in and test for uh, magnetic fields, radio frequency, and then we do f- uh, future projections um, to say, yeah, so there's no backlash in the future on the on their behalf. So, yeah, and then it's, uh, it's good because my electrical background ties in with uh, EMF Solutions Group, so yeah. it works really well. Yeah, absolutely. So I was looking on your website and I see you've got a little video there and the electromagnetic field, is that the, that's what the EMF stands for, obviously, but is it, why do people feel they need or they've got a problem with it to fix it? Is it, is it due to like the radiation or are they worried about health of risks or what what is it? Yeah, they're worried about health risks and long-term health risks. See, our bodies can handle. There's magnetic fields everywhere. It, you can't yep. you can't avoid it. And our body is you know they naturally it, it, it's natural. Like it's, it can handle it. But 
excessive levels for long periods of time, they're starting to see in, in long-term studies that it can have an effect. It's not proven to cause you know cancer and all that sort of stuff, but okay. uh, where we're coming in, because I don't have, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a PhD, I'm not a doctor and I can't prove it, yeah. but I say, I use this analogy. If, if you, 40 years ago, if you told someone that was working with asbestos that in 40 years they would probably die of mesothelioma, would, wouldn't, would, do you reckon they would have taken better precautions? Oh, probably absolutely. would have. Absolutely. So this is where with, we come in and say, you don't have to do anything about it. Some people not affected. Some people are hypersensitive to it. Um, so we say they want to protect their families and just take precautions because who knows in 30 to 40 years it might come out that it is a it is causing problems. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. But I, I really like that what you've done with that sort of the business. You looked to the market and saw what it needed or you know what it was whether the gap in the market was for yourself to to come in you know you created mm. that you know you, you didn't just go to the market with a product you you sort of found that uh you know you, there was a there was a need for that service or product in the market and then you, you develop the product around it so that's uh that's really yeah. cool that that's interesting stuff really interesting actually so so how do you in your um, sales messaging. How do you sell that? Is it through health or relationships to keep your family safe, or is it more? Do you try and sell it through like the health aspect that yeah. you know it can it can be potentially harmful? Yeah. Is and is that's, that is that how you? Yeah, that's correct. We t- will we push it as it's a it, it's a potential health hazard, um, yeah. and they're the people and the people we target are usually the hypersensitive people, the health conscious people and the hippies. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, what what's your sort of target customer? They well, okay, so you say hippies, are they more um hmm. What sort of demographic are you? Is it is it just out of interest sake? I mean, is there yeah. a couple of different demographics? I'm just yeah. I, I'm just thinking, would it be more affluent uh, people or? But you just said hippies, so I mean, I'm just um, when we originally I, I targeted hippies, but okay, what I found with the hippies is they don't really have the money to even bother testing it so they do it their own their own way they they've got tesla pendants and all this sort of stuff the stuff that i can't really prove that it works or not but the initial test is is quite expensive to do so we found that the people the majority of our customers are lawyers doctors alternative health people that don't follow the normal health ways there and they're all highly educated people yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's who the biggest customer is. At yeah, the I was gonna say that would probably be my first initial thought. Alternative medicine sort of yeah. people that are the reasonably affluent. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Now that's that's interesting. And I guess there's a little lesson in there that um, people have to be able and willing to buy. I mean, the hippies, by the standard, were probably definitely willing. 
mm. they're not able to. So, I mean, there's got to be both there. So, yeah, no, that's interesting. Uh, it, it definitely uh, interesting. I saw the video on your website and I was, I, was just, I was quite intrigued because it's not something that, to be honest, that I've even really thought about. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're hearing a little bit more about it now in this alternate medicine type stuff. So, yeah, no, that's, um, that's really cool. So what are the biggest lessons you've learned in your businesses thus far? Uh, the biggest lesson would be never rely on like a single a customer or a, a small minority of customers. Okay. I give you two examples. 2017, this is with KMAC. We're booming with work, more than we can handle, thinking that everything is going great, but 80% of our work was through one customer. That customer, someone in the company rose up the ranks, decided to use his, his mate as an electrician, and we lost 80% of our work. So, wow. And then I didn't learn from that lesson, did I? And <laughs> same thing happened again a couple of years, you know, at the start of this year. One of the biggest lessons is, yeah, don't rely on, on you know, one, one source of income for a business. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I, I, um, I, I've got a story probably not as maybe as painful as losing 80% of your work, but I definitely probably lost 80% of my money. I used to invest in a company in Australia called Vita Group, and they basically run all the Telstra stores in Australia. So they sold the phones and, and charges, all that sort of stuff, because Telstra didn't want anything to do with it. Then the new CEO come in and said that Vita Group was making too much money. He just basically changed the terms overnight, and because they only had one customer, bang, like the share price just tanked. It absolutely was punished and I think I lost 50% on that stock but I digress but uh, you know just but you're definitely right having one customer and relying on them for all your work like I mean I think that's bitten a lot of people especially small business owners where you know have have that one customer that they're you know servicing and then all of a sudden it's gone hey eh? mm, that's right especially in the construction space you know you you get to know people and you know, you just you, you you grow together, but it doesn't take much for someone to test the waters somewhere else. And before you know it, you're out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, what are the goals for your business? You know, do you want to get it to like a massive beast, or be one of the big electrical companies in in southeast Queensland or Queensland, Australia? What What are you striving for? Maybe before I had kids. Yes. Yeah. Yes, okay. I would have gone down that path. Yeah. Um, but no, having kids is, you know, changes you, changes your life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and no, definitely not. Like I look at, I look, okay. I look back at my old bosses, and they, you know, they have three hundred guys, and I don't want that. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> I'd like freedom. Yeah, um, So now, at the moment, with my with with both companies, I would like to get them to a stage where you know between six to ten guys, a yep. profitable company. It runs by itself, and I can have fun with family and travel and 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 do do other things that I like, which is I'm loving learning about marketing. So I'd like to de- delve into that. But yeah, just just having a profitable company that runs by itself. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. No, that's um, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, like we just want freedom. It's not even really about the money. I think yeah. this year's definitely been for me 
I've never felt more out of control of my future ever mm. being an airline pilot during COVID because I guess that um, I felt like I was shackled to a ship that was sinking, you know, like in one respect. And, and look, for the moment, I'm one of the lucky guys that gets to keep their job. But, you know, I, I don't think we're out of this uh, at the moment, that's for sure. So I think that, um, you know, it's as you said, it's just the freedom, having that freedom and, you know, having that balance as well. So Definitely. So you Time said, is valuable. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, that, that's the thing, isn't it? And, and it's finite. Mm. So, uh, but so you know, like you're saying, you've been learning about digital marketing. We've been speaking about digital marketing a lot lately, and you said you've, you know, done a course on it. But why do you want to learn this stuff? Is it is it just because it interests you, or do you think it's important for every business owner to know this stuff? You know, well, why not just outsource it? Yeah, um, couple. Yeah, well, I have been interested. In, first of all, I was interested in sales. Um, for, for about three years, I've loved sales, loved persuasion, and all that. But um, the last yeah, last twelve months, I've been really interested in the marketing because really, marketing comes before sales. Yeah. Um, and I think, first of all, it was an interest. Second, as a business owner and having the problems that I did in the past with not doing any marketing and just relying on you know, a small number of other companies where my work came from, every business owner needs, should know some sort of form of marketing or know a bit about it to, you know, to push their business. It's the lifeblood of every business. Mm. Um, And then thirdly, having the knowledge in marketing, even if you outsource it, you still know a bit about it and it just helps you from not getting ripped off. So this is where I've, I've been in this past, been in this like six years ago, didn't know anything about marketing, just outsourced it and blew to, to $4,000 a month and got nothing out of it and that just pretty much took me for a ride but I had no idea. So a bit of an oversee as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I guess every business owner has to know, you know, basically, as you said, the overall strategy, not ne- necessarily the the tactics, you know, but definitely the strategy. Mm. So what's your biggest lesson in marketing been this far? You know, I mean, I guess, you know, obviously still at the learning stage, so am I, you know, have you have you learned any big things that have just gone, oh, wow, like that is just gone, yeah. aha. What, one of the, the things I have learned is there is many sections of marketing and I can never know every single one of them, <laughs> yeah. so I've kind of, I'm leaning towards something that I, I I enjoy doing. It's a bit creative, and I think it's similar to yourself, which is sales copy. Okay. I don't know. I've never really had a creative side, but I really get into this. And I thought, oh well, yeah, it's it's creative. I'm I'm going to give it a go. So sales copy, and I've been doing Facebook. Um, but so but I've been before that we did SEO, and okay. no chance would I know how to do SEO. So the, one of the biggest lessons would be don't try and do everything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, <laughs> I think that's definitely really true. I mean, you know, I, I think definitely for me, it's the direct response marketing. General marketing, I think that's just not realistic for small businesses at all because, I mean, pictures on a billboard, there's no way that a business can track the numbers. Whereas direct response is all about looking at the numbers and determining if it's working. We can we can see that through the numbers and knowing the data at every step of the stage. 
And I think that that's the part of marketing that I really enjoy. Yeah, you can you know, t- um, check the metrics, tweak it. You know, you can launch two different ads with a dip, two different, sorry, the same ad with two different images and check the metrics. Like it's, it's yeah, it's it's a lot. It's better than just posting, like which I've done in the past. Just you know, you you, you put an ad out, um, or mailbox drops and stuff like that, and you you can't track any of that. <laughs> no, that's right. So I mean, it's just I, that's what I like. I like the direct response stuff. The you, mm. know, you can actually see if it's working or it's not working. And as you said, you can A/B test or split test, whatever you want to call it. So I mean, yeah, it's um, it, I just like that, and I like the psychology behind it. That's what I really enjoy about uh, about the marketing stuff. I read that book, Influence, and I did it earlier podcast episodes on it, and uh, I just that made me absolutely fall in love with it. I thought this was this is just excellent it's outstanding and I could really relate to it from some of the things that I've had in my life that I've thought about in the past and gone oh you're kidding like reciprocation for instance I remember I was in Italy and some guy come up and was speaking to us and I sort of basically said oh no no we're we're fine he just sort of started talking and then shoved a gift you know in my felt in Chloe's hands Mm. and he wouldn't take it back and I remember I was like, oh, you know, and I walked away and I was like, but I, I still remember, and I thought, oh, I'm such an ass for not, you know, giving him something for it. And I felt really, and I was felt bad for ages. But in the book, it talks about reciprocation. And this is how the, the Krishnas, they used to do it. And, you know, I don't know if you, if you were in the States and you walked through an American airport, you know, 10, 15, oh, probably 20 years ago now. Mm-hmm. They just throw a gift on the on the front of your chest, you know. It might be a rose or a book hmm. or something like that. But everyone would yep. be like trying to give the gift back, and they wouldn't take it back. So they they just they felt obligated to give them something, and that's how the reciprocation works. But I, you know, I'm digressing. But I, you know, I really fell in love with how the psychology of marketing works. Yeah. My biggest lesson, I think, in marketing would definitely have to be never just go to market with a product and I think that's hugely important and and for me that you see that a lot people just rock up to the market with a product not knowing whether they want it and I guess the second lesson biggest lesson for me is that you can't create desire you can only funnel it Robert Collier talks about this a lot. He said you cannot create desire, you can only funnel desire uh, onto your product or service. And I think he's really forgotten a lot and, you know, has been one of my biggest mistakes in the past as well. Mm, that's very good. I like that. Because yeah. it's true. It's quite easy to get caught up in in the product and 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 the excitement of, of getting the product to market. But um you know, doing the doing the back end research and finding out if, if your product is actually wanted uh, save you a lot of time. Oh, and <laughs> time, money, yeah. absolutely. And you see a lot of the the um, big marketers, they will market their products before they even build them. I have heard of that. Yeah, yep. They don't even build the product. They they market it first, then they build it after they finish marketing it. Which is, mm-hmm. you know, isn't that a risk-free way, basically, of doing it? Because, I mean, then they can, 
use that money to build the build the product. It's it's and it's ninety nine percent of people do it the other way around, which is really the backwards way around. So I think it's fascinating, and I you know I think that definitely has been a big mistake of mine in the past, just going to market with a product not knowing whether it's actually wanted. Is there actually a need for that product? And do people actually want it? Mm, definitely. What are your thoughts on, I've heard another marketer do this and a few others. So they've got an existing database and they push out a survey or a contest and, and pretty much asks their database what they want. What are your thoughts on that? That is just, that's perfect. And I mean, you see you see it all the time because I mean, mm. all your job is, is to, you know, find out what your prospects want and then give it to them. But mm. what they're doing is when they ask their list what they, you know, what they want, they're, they're basically building a product with them. The, the, the list is building the product. The people on that list are building the product for them. True. So, I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic way. Like, I know guys that have a list, say, in some sort of niche. So, let's just take, I don't know, for the moment, let's let's take hunting, right? That's, yeah. a, that's a favorite niche of mine. And some of those guys are diehards. But if they've got, say, say they run a giveaway and I saw a hunting, you know, sort of survival brand in the United States, they were giving away like this Jeep, this car thing. And all you had to do is put your email address in and bang. So that sort of competition, that would that would generate thousands and thousands of leads, right? So let's say a big company like that generated 50,000 leads, 50,000 emails. But what they might do, say then they were going to sell, they were going to push some t-shirts, right? So all they would do is they would go ask their list. They might say, guys, go to your cupboard and send me a photo of your favorite hunting shirt or whatever. So they send their hunting shirt back. They get a photo of it. Then they go, oh, that's good. Okay. So they might, they might only get, I don't know, 100, 200. Then they might pick up some similarities. Then they'll shoot over to 99 Designs and they'll put on a competition guys we're paying you know 400 bucks or whatever it is to the best design similar shirt like this and then bang over a week or two week period there'll be every graphic designer and 99 designers will put a t-shirt design in yep so there might be three or four that come out that they like and then they basically send that those shirts back to the the list and all they ask them is which one would you buy and it might Mm. be 75 percent or saying B, we'll buy B. So then they just basically drop ship B. So, you know, they, they'd obviously line up with a T-shirt manufacturer. So when the orders come in for that shirt, that drop shipping company, and I know there's a couple in the United States that do this, they just whack the shirts out and send them, like print them, send them away. So you don't even yeah. need inventory. So... That could be a quick twenty five, thirty thousand dollars for that company. You know what I mean? So, yeah, pay for their jeep. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then on top of that, now they've got fifty thousand extra email leads, and now they can just so sell valuable. to them every time. And I mean, they mm. can sell them a shirt, a different shirt every month, or you know, they can sell them then hunting equipment. You know, like I mean, it goes on and on and on. So I mean, those that mm. lifetime value of a customer then 
is worth way more than a t-shirt but they initially made the jeep back instantly and if you do it badly i was talking on the podcast last week it should be a dollar per email per month in some other niches it can be worth way more than that and you know and there's some yeah. guys in the wealth space that are doing five to eight dollars per email per month so i mean that's big mm. dollars very very it has to be the right the right lead as well. Oh, absolutely, for sure. Mm. You've got to remember that they are, they are people at the end of the day, you know, and you have to talk to people differently. What I'm trying to say is you couldn't sell uh, hunting equipment to like the hippies you were talking about before. So, I mean, it, it's got to be yeah, the right definitely, thing. Definitely <laughs> that not. wouldn't go down too well. So. No, definitely not. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Kieran, thank you, mate. I, I, I'm out of questions. Yeah, thanks for having me, mate. Yeah. First podcast, exciting. No, good. Excellent. <laughs> Perfect. Mate, enjoy. Thanks for joining us on the show. Really appreciate having you on. Thanks, mate. Chat soon. And guys, if you'd like to get in touch with Kieran about anything that he spoke about on the show, like electromagnetic fields, testing and rectification, you can get a hold of him at emfsolutionsgroup.com. So that's emfsolutionsgp.com. Guys, thanks for listening. Really appreciate you listening in. Don't forget to subscribe and I'll catch you guys next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe. If you want to get a hold of me, I'd love to hear from you at thismarketingthing.com. Until next time, see you later.